0: and others. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So if you were thinking of starting your own podcast, you want to download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Alrighty, so I am on a different computer and so I'm not sure if I'm actually live yet. (laughs) <laughs> it, it says I am on one, but it says I'm not on, on the other. All right, there we go. Now it says we're live. Here we go. So welcome to episode number 202 of Shut Up and Grind with your host, yours truly, Robert B. Foster. So I'm bringing a guest back that I had on a few weeks ago because, frankly, we just weren't done with our conversation. So I'm going to bring her back on and we are going to continue our conversation about overcoming and living with depression. And I'm sure we're going to cover other topics as well. But first, if you are new to the show, I know I usually don't do this on Saturdays, but if you're new to the show and joining over on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. If you're joining me on the Facebook live streams, please like and share. And I'm still trying to get that up on my end. It's still not there yet. And so if there are any glitches, like I just say because I haven't done this from my laptop before, even though I hardwired the Internet, it is showing some little glitchy things on my end. So if it's happening out there, let me know, let me know in the comment section. Uh, Trish, you can let me know as well. If you see anything on your end, just like give me a give me a sign that stuff's not happening and then we'll go from there. So, but hopefully it'll go up unscathed, un, uh, I believe is the word. All right, and let me play my intro video and then we're gonna get rolling. I started doing workshops and doing groups If you don't have the clarity of vision, whatever next thing you get, you're not going to see it through because you don't have the clarity of vision. So the the point of my pain was being told you will never run or jump again. And all that stuff, I was like, you know what, like, I want to be able to take this even bigger. If you know why you do what you do, you have to know how to charge for what you do. That's how you're going to change your life, and that's how you're going to leave a legacy for your children and your family. You've to know your work. All righty. So before we dive in, we're going to do a quick teachable moment of the day. So we are into the... Getting ready to go into the third week of January now. So if you made resolutions or you set goals or whatever for this year, and if you're already falling off, I want to see you get back on the horse because this happens every single year, especially in the fitness world. People go all gung ho now those first few days in January, and then reality hits like, "Holy crap, this actually takes work." But I want you to put that work in because you put the work in now. So you don't have to later, because once you get to where you want to be, you can put systems in place to make sure you maintain. And again, whether it's fitness, whether it's business, doesn't matter what what it is. But put the work in now, especially for those of us in the cold, the cold weather states, you know, where outdoor stuff may be at a minimum. Take the time now to zero in on what it is that you actually want to do and that you want to achieve. And then, like I said, once you're there, you can systematize everything so you don't backtrack again. So that's my challenge for you. Don't be another statistic. Like I think it's like seventy percent of people fall off by the end of January, but not you, not this time. All right. So we're gonna bring in my guest. So like I said, she was here, you know, a few weeks ago, and we had a very, very dynamic conversation. And I wanted to bring her back in because the topic is very, is very important, and the way she told her story, I feel, will resonate with everyone listening out there and anyone that's going through any type of depression anxiety stress and so let me bring Trish Bennett back in hello hello
1: Robert thank you so much for having me back
0: my pleasure and you're out there in sunny Canada correct
1: <laughs> yes a little sunny <laughs> like
0: freezing cold Canada
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly
0: same thing here like this reminds me when what one of my twin boys was he was much younger I think he was two like he was just barely speaking. I Remember, he wanted to go outside. This so one went over like, buddy, you can't go outside. He's like, it's cold. He's like, it can't be cold. The sun's shining. <laughs> it's like that's not how that works up here.
1: It's right. like no, it's just an illusion.
0: <laughs> exactly. exactly. That's the epitome of looks can be deceiving.
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs> All
0: right. So give us give us a quick overview of your of your background. You know, just just a quick intro.
1: Sure. So as mentioned, the last time that I was with you talking about depression, I suffered with depression for most of my life. I was 13 when I knew that it was depression. I was younger when I started to feel the emotions of not wanting to be alive, not wanting to live the life I was living and feeling quite sad and unsure of it. Uh, Unfortunately, I didn't get that opportunity to heal myself when I was younger. So throughout my whole childhood and adulthood up until my 30s i continued to pile on more and more anger and sadness and anxiety and stress and frustration and i exploded i emotionally got to a point where i couldn't handle it anymore and i had to do something about it but it was actually the best moment of my life because i completely turned everything around it took time to get there, but now I can see the benefit of acknowledging depression and then deciding to conquer it.
0: I think the number one reason I am finding you back is because I like your accent.
1: You like my accent. <laughs> <laughs> I find it so funny that people say I have one because I don't. You know, you don't think you have one, but I guess it's true.
0: <laughs> well, it, it's the same because I get it too, and so. Um, it was just a couple, two or three show, shows ago, right out of the gate. Woman's like, where are you from with that accent? I was like, me? me? Like, yeah, I yeah. <laughs> But, you know, we're surrounded by people who talk like us.
1: Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. You know,
0: so that's the thing. But, um, all right, so what was the source of your depression?
1: I believe that the source was my childhood trauma. Hmm. So I grew up in a family that didn't, didn't express love, didn't express feelings. There was physical, emotional, and psychological abuse. Mm -hmm. And when I sat with all of my pain, when I was ready to deal with it, I witnessed moments in my childhood where I said that was a belief about why I don't think that I'm worthy enough. That's where I started to believe that I wasn't smart enough, beautiful enough, funny enough, anything enough. And it came from hearing the people that were supposed to be my role models telling me that I was ugly, stupid, all of those negative words that just stuck to me like glue. And I believed them. And nobody told me anything different. I didn't get an opportunity to teach myself how to flip my switch and create new pathways and new thought pathways. And it just continued to snowball. You know, I'd go into relationships where they would mirror the same story I had been told as a child and I just had enough. I had enough of believing other people's viewpoints about who I was and had to switch that. But it did, it came from listening to other people telling me, what I could do, what I couldn't do, and and who I was, really.
0: See, and that, honestly, is why I had you back. Because you said the words again, and I'm glad you went there be, be, before I kind of led you there, was when you said I had enough. You know, so like working, working with people who have, you know, stress, anxiety, and stuff. And when you say things like that, well, I'll say, how long are you going to deal with this? And some people get so offended by it. And, yeah. and it's like, it's like, no, I mean, cause at some point you're kind of allowing the behavior, you know, and some people don't want to deal with that reality, but, but that was a huge part of how you were able to turn it around was because you decided that you had enough, you know? So, oh. so before we get into how you flip that, take me through the feelings of not feeling worthy enough, smart enough, or pretty enough.
1: You know, when I was a child, I didn't realize that that rumination was happening. But when I became an adult, I feared going out to social events. And I would hear in my mind, they're not going to like you. They're going to think you sound stupid. You don't have anything good to say. And all of a sudden, my heart is pounding and I'm sweating and I'm only going to a family function. And I can barely get through it because the thoughts are just circling and and looping over and over. Well, remember when your auntie told you that you look stupid in the dress you wore last year? And do you remember this? And do you remember that? It wouldn't stop. It's just that monkey brain that just kept going. And then after the event, wherever I went, I'd come home, I'd go to bed and I'd lie there awake thinking, well, you shouldn't have said that well, maybe you shouldn't have done that or you shouldn't have worn that. And Well, she thought you were stupid. That's why she looked away. Like it just wouldn't stop. And that was the part that I had enough of was hearing those thoughts in my head. I had enough of it from the external world, but I couldn't handle what was happening in my mind anymore because as soon as the quiet time came at night, I was awake the whole sleep where I should have been sleeping. Mm-hmm thinking about the past, fearing the future, wondering what people are going to say. And it just consumed me. And
0: what age bracket, what were this happening in?
1: Like when I became aware of the, the mental yes. thoughts happening, I would say that I was in my late 20s. It was after I had my kids because I okay. felt so much judgment about parenting. Everyone has an opinion and I was Doing my best, but it never seemed to be enough because I'd always hear, "Well, such and such is doing that." I'm like, "Well, it doesn't work for me, or or whatever it would be." And parenting just completely snowballed. The the you're not a good enough parent. You you're not going to teach your parent your kids the right tools and techniques or or leadership or anything because you don't have it. Like it just filled. To the top after I had my two kids.
0: What do what do people gain by telling people that? Like that's what I don't understand. You know, so I think they,
1: yeah, I think they gain a sense of um, almost love from themselves. It's a really weird way of seeing it, but when you judge somebody else, you feel better oh, well, they're doing it that way, and I'm doing this way, so I'm doing gotcha. it better. It's almost like, yeah, self-fulfilling, right? Like,
0: mm-hmm. and, and
1: what's interesting about judgment, and when I really learned what it meant, is that when we judge others, it's a self-reflection of how we feel on the inside,
0: yep.
1: right? And so when I got that understanding, so a part of my being... I realized that any judgment that came my way, I needed to give compassion back because they're suffering. And I'm not as much as I used to.
0: That's so, so true. Like working with people, that's one of the first things I say. It's like, you know, if, if someone if someone has enough nerve to belittle you in any fashion, it's like the problem's not you. <laughs> you know, it's it's so hard to not take that on. But it's like I'm working with my kids on that too. Like, oh, so and so said I'm stupid. I'm like, are you stupid? He's like, no, like, that doesn't let it you. <laughs> you know, They're like it sounds simple, but I mean it's it's a difficult thing to do. Like one of I'd say probably one of the toughest things I dealt with, not so much fear of judgment, but fear of rejection. You know, like I've always I've always dealt with that because I'm a I'm a people person. I'm definitely not a people pleaser, but I'm a people person. And I want people to like me. So, like, when I put myself in a situation where they have to say yes or no, like, you know, sales. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, when I first got into fitness, it was such a tough thing. Because especially if sometimes people get really deep into their feelings of of how they let themselves go or what they went through to where they let themselves go. And then it's like, okay, I go through the programming and give them the pricing. And they're like, that's kind of steep. And then I just fold. He's like, okay, well, what can you afford? <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, now I realize I, I can't do that. And I have to realize my own value. But we, we face those things in so many di- different ways. And when I got my first business coach, he came and said, he's like, Robert, it's like, they're not rejecting you. He's like, right now, they're not ready or they can't afford it. <laughs> he's like, it has nothing to do with you. Yeah. And I was like, okay. You know, and this was in my mid-30s. <laughs> I was dealing with this. You know, so like it doesn't really matter the source, but the solution, in my opinion, because again, I'm no doctor, so I can't say it on the record. But the solution starts with Mm self-reflection, you know, just like you said, you know, you were done with those those thoughts swirling in your mind. So what steps did you take to start moving forward from it?
1: The first one was getting a counselor. I had nobody that I could trust around me to listen to what I needed to say. So I went and got a counselor knowing that I can just dive in deep and say, this is what's really happening to the depths of my core, help me. And I worked with her for seven months. And by the end of the seven months, I found my voice. I found my voice. And then when I found my voice, I started addressing the issues that were happening in my marriage and in my family. And so I started going to the people that were actually hindering me and, and constantly bullying me. And I said, I've had enough. Some people got in-person conversations, others got a letter. Mm-hmm. And I was t- it was time for me to start expressing myself and saying, I'm drawing the line. If you cross my boundaries, we're done. And some people, they got let go. <laughs> <laughs> because they were, they were they were crossing my boundaries and they wouldn't respect that I wanted the respect now. So when I found my voice, I started clearing out my old community and draw started to draw in my new community of people that I trusted. And then from there I I did a lot of research and a lot of reading about depression and why it exists, why it's what causes it. And then Of course, it was trauma. It's trauma from our past that we don't deal with. I grew up in a home where kids were to be seen and not heard. So I got fed, clothed, and sheltered. But when I had feelings, be quiet. We don't talk about them. So I had all this stuff that needed to come up and out. And as I worked through all of the trauma that needed to be expressed, I started to feel lighter. I started to feel like my shoulders weren't hanging on to so much. And I'd go to bed and there wasn't rumination all the time. There'd be a light rumination. I'm like, oh, it's not going for hours at a time. (laughs) It's only an hour and I can settle it down. You know, that kind of thing. And then meditation, when I started to insert meditation, when I started working on my trauma, it brought my anxiety down. So I wasn't fearing what people were gonna now think of me with this new path I was taking. It kept me calm and it kept me going. And that was my beginning. That's what I started with.
0: So now you, when you said you found your voice, what, like, what was the moment like where you decided, I'm gonna let people know I'm not dealing with this anymore?
1: So this is a funny, int- uh, funny story. I had a difficult relationship with my mother-in-law and the summer, my last summer married with my husband. We were in the kitchen. I was getting breakfast together for uh, him and my two kids and myself. And he comes in and he says, you know, my parents want to take our kids camping this summer. And I turned and I looked at him and I said, your parents are not taking our kids anywhere Until your mother apologizes to me for what she's done. And then I said, and I'm putting my foot down now. And I slam my foot so hard (laughs) onto the ground that there's this surge of pain going up my leg. And all I can tell myself is keep your eye contact on your husband and don't let him know you're in pain. And I (laughs) stared him down. And I noticed the moment where he almost just surrendered to the fact that I was demanding that things were going to change. And I saw his body movement change, his face change. And then he said, okay. And I turned back to the stove and I felt this surge of energy move through my body. And that was the moment I knew that I got my power back. That I was no longer going to take shit from nobody. Love it. So
0: prior to that moment, what was your husband's role as you were going through these feelings and, and emotions and everything? Like, was, was he supportive? Was he part of the problem? Like, how was his role? Because I don't, I don't think I asked you that last time we spoke.
1: No, um, I would definitely say that he wasn't as supportive as you would want your spouse to be. He knew that I was doing counseling. He supported in the sense that I got to do it. Yes. Um, we didn't really talk about it too much. But what happened during counseling was I started to notice that he was actually one of the root causes of my sadness and my anger. Okay. And I needed to have some space. So <clears throat> as the months went on, I spent less and less time around him when the kids went to bed. So he'd go down and watch TV and I'd go upstairs and journal and start, you know, doing my self development and changes.
0: Yes.
1: And then all of a sudden, you know, six months later, I I realized that I didn't want to be in the marriage anymore. I had changed so much and he wasn't uh, interested in making changes to make us better gotcha. that I needed to exit that marriage. And I did.
0: Okay. And so, how was that transition? So like, did you maintain onto your newfound power? Did you slip a little in the transition? Or how did that work? Because I know sometimes divorces can be ugly.
1: Yes. Um, I moved into a friend's house. My kids and I shared one bedroom and a two-bedroom apartment for almost two years. Okay, The first two years were difficult because of our quarters that we were living in. And also I was still suffering with my depression, working through all of my trauma. And now I'm working through a separation and divorce. And I'm also working through my two children that are like, what just happened? They were four and five when it happened. So they don't understand. Yeah. A lot of questions. Right. This big uprooting and their emotions are starting to get a bit explosive here and there. And I'm trying to maintain mine. So the first two years of that separation were very dark. Uh, I had so much to to change, so much to work through. But as I did and and I got to a point where I was standing a bit more firm on a foundation that I was creating, I started to see the light. I started to see that even though all of what just happened was tough and really hard, that what I was doing from the inside out was actually benefiting me. And then all of a sudden I get my own place and I get the perfect job and I'm taking care of my kids and, and it just starts to elevate from there.
0: Love it. See, and that's, those are are the moments, like those are the parts of the story that really move people to take action. You know? So it's like, when you're in those dark moments, it's like, how did you, turn the corner, you know, cause going from a spot where you were finding your voice, where you were putting your foot down, despite the pain. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, and decided that, you know what, damn it, I'm not going to deal with this anymore. And then to get hit with a divorce, you know, that was why I wanted to to dive a little, Cause I feel like I asked you a little bit about it last time, but I wanted to dive in a little further because divorce is a huge cause of a lot of mental issues. And again, like with, with the fitness world, you know, we're also an outlet, you know, some, some people don't want to go to counseling right away. So they decide to join a gym, you know, to, to get the, the community and, you know, to work on, on their own health and stuff first. So I hear a lot of stuff in these sessions. And just the things that I hear about people going through through divorce, it's it can be very, very, very taxing, you know, yeah. so... So you got through those first couple of years, you're getting on to your feet now. And then what were your next steps from there?
1: My next steps were I started to notice that the people around me, that my new community that I was surrounding myself with were coming to me and saying, you've changed. You've not just changed your outer, the way that you look, you're more confident, you wear clothes that make you feel good and you do this and that. But you speak differently and you have conversations that are more in line about the truth of life and all this. So like, what, what are you doing? So I noticed that people are coming to me for advice. And so as I spoke to them about what I was doing, I watched changes in them. And I said, there's something to this. Yes. And then, of course, I'm a very spiritual woman. And, you know, the intuition comes in and it starts saying, well, let's, you know, we're here to serve. We're here to serve a purpose, a mission. So let's make what you went through through your childhood and adulthood as part of your mission to talk about it. So then I created my platform and I started getting out and saying, we need to talk more about depression. I mean, if we can go to a doctor for our heart problems and our kidney problems and why can't we go to a doctor for our head problems? They're all the same, they're all organs and they all need attention. So yes. let's start opening up. Um, I also noticed that some men would come and ask me a little here and there. And when I would look at them straight in the eyes, and they say, You grew up hearing, suck it up, be a man, you don't get to cry. And then now you're 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 suffering on the inside, and you're told you can't express. And the only way, and I'm going to say it again, the only way to resolve our emotional issues is by expressing them.
0: Agreed. And I want to come right back to that because that part about men is huge, and I'm totally guilty of that myself. But uh, we'll, we'll get there in a second. You asked the question, why can't people go and get? checked for their mental health and i'm going to answer that question and i want to get your thoughts on it because people are afraid of being labeled as crazy
1: yeah you know that's and that's what it is mm-hmm. it's- it's- we were told that when we have emotional issues we're-, we're cuckoo there's something wrong up here yes but it's actually the opposite when we don't deal with it we will <laughs> we start to go <laughs> a little crazy. <laughs>
0: It's true. It's true. And and one thing, you know, as I said, I'm guilty of, of it myself because like I I was raised, you know, like that, you know, you be a man, men do this, men do that, you know, men don't do this, men don't do that, you know, and, and I absolutely loved my upbringing, but, but like that part was true. I mean, as we're getting older now, you know, the foster men are more showing of love, but like with, with my dad, he, he was one, he never really said it, but you always felt it though. Like, you know, he, he wouldn't be one to be like, give me a hug. I love you. You know, like that never happened. Like he said it once towards the end. I feel like he was in his mid-70s. But he was like, I love you. I was like, what? <laughs> and like, and it caught me off guard. But but it would be like, hey, you know, the twins have a, have a track meet. Can you he come? He'll drop what he's doing and go. You know, or I have this. He'll drop what, what he's doing and go. Or can you pick me up at the hospital? He's there. And like, it's like he was, he always showed it. But he was never very outward with it. So when I first became a father, it was the same thing with, with me. You know, my firstborn was a son. And as he started getting older, it's like, same thing. It's like, really? You're crying over that? That's just no, That's nothing to cry over. And, you know, it's like, now I have twin twin boys. And, and again, you know, you get older, you get wiser, you learn more. And, and it's like, no, it's like, no, ex- express, express it how you need to express it. It's like, just because I express it one way doesn't mean you have to express the exact same way. Mm-hmm. And that really stemmed from learning the different personality types. And so one thing I'm saying now when I give speeches, is like if men weren't meant to cry, we wouldn't have tear ducts.
1: Exactly.
0: (laughs) You know, like, just like men can't have babies. right? It's like, we're not wired to have babies, but we're wired to cry. So it's like, we have those tear ducts. We have to embrace being vulnerable and displaying our our emotions. So we don't do what, what you did where you keep it in, you keep it in until you explode.
1: Yeah. And the same thing about the tears. It's the same. It's about the emotions. If we were, weren't given anger and sadness and fear, same with happiness, joy, and love, we were, and that's why we need to express them.
0: Yes. Yes. And, and, and to understand that they're tools because all of them have a place, you know, yeah. they, they really do. It's, it's what you do with it. Like when I train athletes, and say something go, goes wrong, and, and they get mad at themselves. I'm like, good. Now you take that anger and channel it into your craft. You know, it's like, it's like, don't take that anger and let it consume you. It's Like, back in my track and field days, I think three of the records that, that I broke came off of screwing up an event beforehand. <laughs> and so I came off, remember, I'm doing a high jump. Like, I still won, but my performance wasn't where I wanted it to be. And I remember I was pissed. And my dad was trying to talk to me about it. And I was like, leave me alone. Like, I got this. And he said something that set me off. I said something back to him that set, set him up. And he ended up leaving. And then I, I ended up breaking the triple jump record. And it was like, but, but, but in that moment, it's like, I just wanted him there. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But, like, I took that anger and used it to drive him away. And then he missed my record-setting performance you know, so like that's just just a, a small example obviously anger can go in way worse directions but i just yeah. wanted to use that one as, as just a more a softer example you know exactly because right? we, we know we know what anger can lead to
1: yes and it can right it can go both ways and i yeah. totally agree with you robert about channeling the anger because yes. even when i would feel my anger when i was journaling Gosh, some of the stuff that I wrote was pretty bad, but I was so angry that I channeled it into my writing. Yes. And then when it was on paper, it was no longer in my heart or in my yes. head.
0: Yep. Yeah. Love love that. In um in fitness, we call that a brain dump. You know, like when a you know a, a big thing that especially working with a lot of women, I hear this more than the men somewhat with, with with the men but it's more with the women about not being able to sleep at night mm-hmm. and, and you know because the brain's just going and i said so right before you go to bed take a notebook and just write down everything that's on your mind you know something yeah. like we call call a brain dump so just so at least it's it's on paper and for that moment it's out of your head and then i say probably a good 75 percent of people say that it helps yeah you know but like it's it's all about it's all about, about expression. It doesn't really matter how you express it, but but you just gotta express it. Yeah. So it, does, so it doesn't fester.
1: Exactly. And also with you know the ruminating thoughts at night. One thing that I've been training myself and getting really disciplined in is that when I get into bed and I find my comfy spot, I then tell my brain and my body it's sleep time. Mm-hmm. It's sleep time. So I'm training it to know that as soon as we get in and get comfy, we're going to sleep. And then I do a sleep talk down where I talk to all of the muscles and everything in my body from head to toe. And I usually get to around the neck and shoulders and I'm out sleeping. <laughs> but, you know, and then I'm calming it down. But I'm training myself that we don't sit or we don't lie all night thinking about stuff. We sleep. And when I journal, we express. When I talk, we express. Those are the healthy moments. But bedtime is not a healthy place to do it.
0: True. Yeah. And it's all about accountability. You know, going back to what I said earlier, where you had said, you know, that you had enough. And so when people come come to me with whatever the problem is, and, and most people in my circle know that I'm brutally honest. You know, it's like, I don't try to hurt people's feelings, but I tell them what they need to hear. You know, and not what they want to hear, like case in point, there was uh, this was a few few years ago, had this woman. She was off and on with me training. Off, off and I hadn't seen her for months. And so she comes back and you know, she had put on probably about 15 pounds or so. And so she wasn't feeling good, good about herself. So she was back about three weeks at this point. But she was very inconsistent, wasn't doing her food journals. You know, just she just she just wasn't consistent with the program. So we had a weigh in. And she and my assistant at the time, and a couple of the other women, they were all where the scale is. And then I could hear her crying, and, and everyone's consoling her and stuff. And then they get close to where I am. And uh, I know I'm going to sound like, like a jerk, but this moment actually worked for her. But she comes over, and I was like, stop it. I was like, all of you, stop coddling her. And I was like, come here. I was like, you are in this position I was like, because you were not serious. You were not taking care of yourself. You were not prioritizing yourself. I said, if you were, then you wouldn't be sitting here crying right now. I said, you're not crying because of the number on the scale. You're crying because you're failing yourself. I said, now how are you going to pick up the pieces and move forward? And at first, the other women were like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I was like, wow, she's crying. I was like, she pays me for this moment right here. It was like she doesn't pay me for the push-ups, she doesn't pay me for the running or for the squats. I was like, she pays me for this moment. Mm-hmm. And so then it was maybe an hour or so later, she texted me and she's like, you know, I hated you when you first said that to me. <laughs> and so she's like, but now that I've calmed down, she's like, you're absolutely right. And you lit the fire. Yeah. You know, so it's 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 about you know, saying, like, I was working too much, I was this. I was said no, like you're just not focused. And, like, everyone else was feeding into the excuses she was telling herself. And I had to come in with a sledgehammer and be like, no, this is how we're going to fix this.
1: Mm -hmm. Sometimes tough love is what somebody needs. And I'm a person that likes to be called out because that's the only way I can grow. I will sit with what someone says to make sure that it's actually true. And if it is, I'm like, you're right. Thank you for calling me out. But I also call other people out because I'm not going to validate your excuses I'm going to show you where your excuses are and I'm going to help you change them.
0: Yeah. See, and that's the thing. Like people have have to understand. Well, so so the people that do it the right way do it because I'm trying to help you. It's like, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. Like I'm not trying to make you feel bad about about yourself, but the truth of the matter is these are the steps and this is you, (laughs) you know, it's like, they're not in alignment. Yeah. So if you, if you put the steps into alignment with what you actually want, you can move past this thing. Like, and it's no matter what it The thing I told you last time, when my daughter was with her her now ex, it like there was a, 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 in about a two week span, she would come home crying like seven or eight times, and and like I would tell her in the beginning, like listen, just pay attention to this. You know, just pay attention to that. It's like, you know, you're an adult now. you got to figure this stuff out on your own. I'm just letting you know that he's got some glaring red flags. And so things would keep going, and she's coming home. She, she's in tears. She's on the phone. She's in tears. And so I I went. I actually, I knocked on her door because, like, I'm a very personable person. So I come skipping up my stairs, right? I'm like, oh, Lydia. And I'm running down the hallway to her room, and, and I get to her door, and I hear her sobbing. And so I knock on the door and she's like, come here. So I opened the door and she's sobbing. And I was like, come here. And I give her a hug. And all I said was, how much longer are you going to deal with this? Yeah. It's like, this keeps happening over and over. It was like, I have nothing else to discuss with you. The ball's in your court now. It's like, <laughs> I gave you the red flags. He's making you cry every other day. How much longer are you going to keep yourself in this hell? Mm-hmm. you know and i think it was two days later or so she made the decision to, to break it off with him and like and she she had already done it like she didn't even consult with me or, or her her younger sister first and nothing she just did it mm-hmm. she was like you know she's like i can't i can't keep letting him do do this to me It was just like he knows i'm sensitive and he uses it against me i said that right there tells you he's not the one yeah you know if you're gonna use something against someone <laughs> that's not the right one, you know, cause we're yeah. all different. We are all different. And some people are more sensitive. Like some people ask 5,000 questions. And when you talk to that person, you have to be prepared to answer 5,000 questions cause that's how they're wired. And you know, was mm-hmm. like, you're not gonna get them to ask less questions. I have this guy I train with, no matter what it is, he's got, I'm like, Hey David, check out this new, why, why'd you pick those colors? Why, why that design? You know, why is it outlined in, in black? It was like, he just he just has questions. Yeah. And that doesn't make him a bad person. That's just who he is. So I know now when I talk to him, be prepared for the barrage of questions. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so so once you understand the people in your life, you know, it's like you, you, you want to avoid the things that can send them into a dark place. It's like, you don't want to exacerbate the things that they're doing, that's what he was doing to her. And as a father, I wanted to wring his neck, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. but it's like, you know, I have to let her work through this. You know, just like you were saying earlier, you were never taught how to express yourself or how to handle things. So it's like, I want, I want her to know how to deal with this situation when someone doesn't value you for who you are.
1: Exactly. And it's weird that we, as you know, women and men, have this belief that we're supposed to be treated that way. And when I look at what we're, we're being shown through movies and shows, no doubt that we believe that we should be treated like crap because we see it everywhere. And then when we finally decide that we don't want to take it anymore, what I notice and I notice with myself and other people that I speak with is that when we're ready for change, This uncomfortable feeling starts to surface and it's, you know, you're expanding your comfort zone, you're getting out and all of a sudden you shovel back up and you go back in and then you'll, you know, attempt it again and you go back and it's almost like this back and forth. You know, they say, take two steps forward, one back, that kind of thing. That's the process. And I think a lot of people don't understand that we have to take it slow and go forward, go back. Going back is a reflection time. Why are we going back? What are we holding ourselves back from? What are we afraid of? And then taking it forward. And the only way to go forward to pass the fear that you're feeling is to do what's making you afraid. And I find that when people want to go forward and then they get stuck, that's the spot they're stuck at. They're stuck at the feeling of change because it doesn't feel normal. You've mastered depression, anxiety, being treated like crap by your spouse or partner. So when you all sudden switch over to, well, I'm going to find joy and real love. It's like, well this isn't normal. I don't know what it's supposed to feel like. And when it doesn't feel what you used to feel, you back off.
0: Spot on. So yeah. I had a guest on a few 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 shows ago, and we were talk she was big into into health and fitness also. And so I was talking like when I'm talking with people, people who are let's say sedentary, you know, like not really into fitness, like they were never athletes and not really active, and I've had a hard time identifying with them because that's not me, and so as I was speaking with this woman, and all the time that I've been doing this stuff, like I've been an athlete since I was five, you know, so, so it's not like it's something I just stumbled upon now Now <laughs> at 47, you know, I've been doing this forever, and so she she said, Robert, she's like, do you know what it is? She's like, you know, you mentioned that, that you were overweight once, and you were able to get back into shape. She's like, because you knew what it felt like to be fit. And I was like, ah. I was like, I, I never thought of it that way. Like, it was easy for me to be like, yo, this sucks. I need to go back to that. And if you even take, de- you know, take uh, depression, anxiety. Like, if you're in a situation, we can take your situation where you grew up in an environment that really wasn't conducive to happiness, we'll call it. You grew up. That's what, that was your normal Unfortunately, It's like that was your normal. So trying to think you can be happy and you can be expressive and you can say what's on your mind. That was probably like a foreign land for you because you haven't really felt it. Like, am, am I in the ballpark there?
1: You're bang on because that's exactly what it was. I mean, I remember being in depression. This probably was about eight years ago. And I said to myself, well... Life is almost over anyway, so who who wants to make the changes? And that's what I told myself. Like It would take forever for me to get out of it, so I might as well just live the rest of my life. But I was 30. I was 30 years old. And when I look at it now, I laugh, thinking that my life was already done or was already made for me, so just keep living it. And, yes, it will take time to switch over to whatever it is that you're trying to get out of, But it is so worth it. If you ever feel like there's change isn't possible, it's never going to work. It's going to take forever. It will, and it may take a while, but it does happen.
0: Yeah, it's all about what you focus on and what you give energy to. Mm -hmm. You know, like going back to what we were just saying. Just like if you if you were someone who grew up who grew up, you know, say from a low income environment, you know, low income family. And then saying, "Oh, you can make six figures." That, that probably sounds like it's way out of left field for you, yeah. until you actually do it. Like when I first opened up my gym, it's like I was doing decent on my own, but like I had a couple classes a day, I was do- doing decent, you know, making making what I was making as a restaurant manager. But I didn't really look beyond that because I never made beyond that. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like that's that that's for those for those special talented people, <laughs> you know. It's like that like that's not for me. And then when I finally when we finally opened up our own facility you know the goal was to hit six figures by the end of the year and we, we hit it by june and i was just like just blown away and it wasn't that hard You <laughs> know, it it's like it, when, when you're someone who's working in a job you think I, i'll have to work x amount of years to make a hundred thousand dollars but I, really, I was just teaching people to believe in themselves and gave them exercises along the way, and they paid me money. Yeah. <laughs> it's it like, it like, wow. And then they told their friends, and then repeat. You know, repeat. Exactly. The, Facebook, yeah, the Facebook ads pop, popped up. It's like 2015. Started running a Facebook ads, and now I'm getting total strangers coming in who want to feel more confident, do some exercises, and pay me money. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, if I knew it was this easy, I would have did this ages ago. You know, but like we we put these these blocks on ourselves thinking things are so difficult. But in mm-hmm. reality, if we just take some focused steps every single day. Yeah. We can get there to whatever it is that we want.
1: Yeah. And it is a daily routine with being what I would say that I've I've I managed depression. I don't believe that there's cures for emotions because we're supposed yeah. to have them. But there is a way to manage deep stuff. So I still have days where uh, I don't feel my best, but I know that I can because I got to experience it before. So it's actually easier to get out of those little dips that you go in. But the dips are your mind and your body's way of letting you know that something is suffering something you need to focus on or you're blocking yourself or you're afraid of this those are the moments that instead of getting angry that all of a sudden you're not feeling as great as you did the day before or the day before that ask yourself well what happened what was i thinking about because often our thoughts when they come in our body will have a response so i'm really in tune between my thoughts and my body so when i have a thought that doesn't, it's not in alignment with my true belief. So for example, I'm thinking, well, if you go to that uh, store, they're probably going to not have what you want. And then all of a sudden I feel this uh, feeling inside of me. I feel it in my chest or anything that is out of alignment with my beliefs. It hits me in my chest. And so then I have to ask myself, okay, so I'm not only thinking it, but I'm feeling it. And if if I let the feeling in the body go, and I don't do anything about it, that's when it turns into disease. It's Mm -hmm. dis-ease. We're not feeling comfortable. And then that turns into actual illnesses. So our body is constantly talking to us. So in your fitness career, you probably get people telling you, oh, my shoulder, oh, my back. Well, that is stored emotions. Mm -hmm. So not only is the physical fitness going to help move it out, But, you know, we talked about expression, but we need to tune into not just the thoughts we're thinking, but how our body is responding to it all.
0: Yes. And to tie in what you said about when thoughts are not in line with your true beliefs. You know, I, I call that knowing your core values and then going back to what you said earlier about expressing yourself. So when you have your core values and you express those core values. You, you attract the right people into your lives, into your life, and then the right people exit. Yeah, <laughs> you know it's like that's that's the beauty of it because you know people always say you know you have to cut cut people out of your like it's like you don't have to cut them. It's just when your core values are known and you state them and you state them with confidence and firmly, the the, the they won't bother you anymore. Because you know, I was that, that that one well when I was with my with my ex, you know, her her side of the family, I don't like talking bad about people, but her side of the family, they're kind of negative. And so I'm very happy. I'm a very positive, happy, go lucky kind of guy. And so those conversations I would have at these functions were just not always good for me. <laughs> so I would end up kind of gravitating towards where the kids were. And you know, we'd be playing sports and we'd be playing basketball, we'd play tag or whatever it is. I'm out there, you know, and all the adults are hey, Rob, you know, you know, you can come in here with us. I'm like, no, I'm good. You know, and so after a while, they just started getting the hint that I didn't want to be a part of those conversations. Yeah. And then, you know, towards the tail end of our relationship, I just stopped going altogether. Like I just whipped my ass and like, I'm not, I'm not going anymore. Like, I'm just not. It's like everybody's just talking about how bad their life is and everybody smokes and, you know, the smoking around the kids. And like, I don't like I don't want to be around that. Like, I'm not going to be around that anymore. Yeah. And then even with my own family, I was like, you know, I'm scheduling the things that I want to do that make me happy first. And at first, you know, my mom was like, uh, excuse me. You know, I'm like, no, like, mom, seriously. I was like, I spent so much time in these past two relationships that's been 21 years of being someone I'm not I was like and I'm not doing it anymore I was Mm -hmm. like I want there are things that I want to accomplish like nobody knows when our time is going to be up here I was like and I there are things that I want to do that I want to accomplish I want to do with my children and if it happens to fall on a day that someone's coming up from somewhere and Okay, if, if I can make time to, to come down and say, hi, I will. Said, but I am not canceling my plans to do this. Mm-hmm. And and now, years later, they know this. So now, like, my mom will text me and be like, are you available on Saturday? And if, if I say no, she's like, okay, I just wanted to check. You know, like, she doesn't try, try to guilt me or anything because she knows I'm out pursuing the things that I want to do. Yeah. And there's a lot of power in that.
1: There is. And you know what? Like you said, that's setting your boundaries, And so when people start respecting them, they get to stay within your community. And I like when you talked about how people just start to fall away. They do. I've had, I've had both. I've had people just fall away from my life. We just stop talking. We don't have anything in common, but I've also had to tell people this isn't going to work anymore. And I also love surrounding myself with kids. So any birthday parties or family events, I'm usually the aunt or, the, or the, the person that goes and plays hide and seek or tag or swinging on the swings. Like <laughs> I, I enjoy uh, surrounding myself around children. Love but the it. nice thing about that was because I do have two younger kids, they're nine and 10. So they're at the ages still where they want to play constantly. And that actually helped me find more joy. So I get a lot of questions. Well, what can I do to find more of this or, or to seek more of that? Well, I needed more joy and fun.
0: Yes.
1: So when I spend time with my kids, my inner child comes out Mm -hmm. and I'm more creative and I'm more silly and it just brings all this high vibe energy in me and I feel good. And then I take that with me to somewhere else. Mm -hmm. But when we start finding things, like you said, your values or things that make you feel good, it's uplifting and it gets you to the point where, yeah, these changes are worth it.
0: <laughs> I brought my kids to Sky Zone a couple of weeks ago. And as we're there, one of the workers comes up to me like, do you bring them here for them or for you? <laughs> <laughs> Because everywhere I go it's like I, I have I really I have more fun than uh, than the kids do. I yeah. brought I brought my daughter and her, her now ex-boyfriend, the one I was talking about earlier. I brought them to Hershey Park for I think it was her 18th birthday. And uh, you know, the park closed I think at seven. It's like five and they're both like, Are we going soon? I'm like, you wanna go already? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm like, how are the, how are the teenagers re- ready to go and the 40 something year old isn't? <laughs> I was like, fine, we can go. Like I was like the pouty kid <laughs> but, oh, yeah. but I tell my kids all the time. I was like, you know what? I was like, if if you want to like really, really enjoy life, I said, don't grow up so fast. I said, there, there's I said to me, my definition of, of maturity, is having as much fun as humanly possible, but knowing when to be serious. Yeah. You know, because some people, they're, they're just way too serious all the time, Like, mm-hmm. right? And it's, it, it listen, we're not getting out of this life. It's like, it's like you don't have to take things so serious. So, I mean, yeah, there are times where, you, all right, you know what? I got to put the big boy pants on and we got to get work done. But other than that. I'm playing like when I'm done with you, I'm probably gonna go 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 upstairs and wrestle with the twins. <laughs> it's like we play, it's like we play all day long, yeah. and you know we you know we go to like I said the trampoline parks, and we go to what was that other place you went to? We go to escape rooms and and all mm. those things like just things that we're still together. Yeah. But we're constantly playing. It's like people forget as as human beings, like that's what we're that's what we're built on. We're built on social. We're built on having fun. And then when you extract those two things and you're just serious, 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 serious after a while, you know, time's going to pass you by and you're going to be like, you know, have all these regrets of things that you should have done. And that's something like, I don't want that. Like when my time comes, I'm going to be like, I crushed that life. (laughs) it's like like I can pass on with a clear conscience man like I I left everything out there
1: yeah I would say that I live life trying to not have regrets because life is supposed to be up and down and here and there I do have one regret and is that when I was a child all I wanted was to be an adult I felt like if I could be an adult, I would be out of the space I was in, out of the surroundings of the people and all the chaos and drama. So I never enjoyed my childhood. I don't have a lot of memories of fun activities and stuff like that. So I feel like that I'm getting a second chance at childhood through my kids. And I talk to them, man, I talk to them about everything, um, You know, age appropriate, everything. But I tell them, mm-hmm. you know, when mom was a child, I just wanted to be an adult. And I didn't enjoy the fun stuff that I should have. So I want you guys to understand that now. Enjoy today. We're only going to focus on today. Enjoy it and make it as fun as possible. And then I get to enjoy that too. So that would be my one regret and, you know, my, my wish for everyone that's maybe listening to to you know talk to their kids or or you know have that second go-around if they didn't get it the first time
0: yeah I mean I don't know if, if I would call that a regret but I mean obviously you're entitled to feel how how you feel but <laughs> all those experiences made you who you are now
1: yeah you know? yeah and you know what I'm having a fun time like I enjoy everything. It's funny that you said that you took your kids to a trampoline park. I took mine for a New Year's celebration just a couple of weeks ago and I bought myself a ticket and I looked around and a lot of adults are sitting on the couches and I'm sitting yes. there jumping, yes. <laughs> jumping into the pits and it just it's just too much fun not to do it.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a place um maybe twenty minutes away from, from me. It's called Supercharge. They have like go-karts and Bumper cars and that, but they had this big like ninja warrior course and same, same thing. There's probably about maybe, maybe 10 or so parents that were just in jeans and sitting down. There, there were two other parents plus myself that were actually out there doing all, you know, going up the warped walls and going across the swinging bars and all that <laughs> stuff. And I remember when I bought the ticket, you know, the, the, the kid look, looks at me, he's like, are you jumping too? And I was like, what do you think? <laughs> I was like, I got the tank top, I got the towel, I was like I yeah. got the shorts. <laughs> I'm like, I, I am ready for action. <laughs> I'm like, like I'm not one of these sideline parents, baby. I'm front lines. <laughs>
1: yeah. I love that. And I love it because I feel like it's more and more nowadays. I see a lot of more parents joining in on the fun.
0: Yes. Yeah, because yeah. one, one of the things that bothers me, especially like at the playgrounds, where you see the kids playing and then you see the parents like this. Yeah. You know, it's like get up and play with them kids, you know, like exactly. be involved, be involved with them. You know, mm-hmm. it's like even even if you got an injury or something, like you can still be present visually. Yeah. You know? It's yeah. like because that's that ultimately that's what they really want. They can have their phones and their PlayStations and their Nintendo Switches, they can have all that crap. But some of the most fun fun I have with the twins, and they say this themselves, is when we go for a walk and we talk about life. You know, so like I live right by a state park. I mean, of course it's cold now, but more so in the spring, summer, fall, we go. It's like a it's like a five k loop to walk all the way around the park, and we'll we'll go through. We'll walk and we just we just talk. Like yeah. and they and and they thrive on that. Like with all the gadgets and all the other stuff. Like they just want that time with their parents. Just talking about life and them and giving them inspiration and just letting them know, yeah, there's some wacky stuff out there in the world, but most of it's good. It's like regardless of what you see on TV, most of it's good. You know? Yeah. And just encourage them to embrace nature and just just how awesome everything is. Like every time I see a plane fly overhead, it's like, that's just awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it really is. Just just imagine, like we can fly. <laughs> You know, it's like this world is so awesome and yet people wanna wanna just all set to commit suicide because they dropped their iPhone. (laughs) It's like, come on.
1: Yes. Yeah, and it's true, but you know, taking that time with the kids, I don't I don't I don't actually own a TV. I don't have a TV in my home because I want my kids to grow up with a new belief that we don't need to come home after work, eat dinner, sit on the couch and watch watch TV. TV. Yes. Cause that's what, that's what it is. And my phone, it's always on uh, mute. I never have it on ringer because it's not, it's not gonna, I'm not tied to it. I will look at it when I feel it's necessary, but you're right. I'm in the moment all the time with my kids.
0: Yeah, I love that because I do the same thing. And uh, like, I think it was my sister was texting me yesterday and I was at the gym. And when, when I'm at, like not at my, my gym, because I, I do some of my workouts at Planet Fitness, just because when I'm at the gym, I end up working. <laughs> so, you know, like I'll do a couple reps and I'll rearrange the kettlebells and then I'll start sweeping. And so, so I go to Planet Fitness so I can zero in on myself. And I block out the world. And so she had my sister left me a whole series of text messages, and and I told her I was like, "It's really not that serious, you know." it's was like, "I had you wait thirty five minutes." I was like, "Remember back in the day before cell phones, we used to wait hours." Yeah. <laughs> All right, we used to wait hours, and you know, before caller ID, we wouldn't we wouldn't even know who was calling? Like, like you just you just had to hey, did you just call me an hour ago? Did you just yeah. call me an hour ago? <laughs> You know, so now you had to wait 35 minutes and your life is over. I was like, no, I was focused on my workout. Like when I'm in the gym, I leave it on silent, Like, and so i like, well, what if the school calls? I'll call them back when I get the message. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm not living my life on what ifs. Because how often does the, cool, the, 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 uh, sorry, does the school call? It's rare. It's very, very rare that the school calls. So I don't think about that. And then if it happens, I'm sure they have protocols in place if the parent doesn't immediately pick up. So I'm not worried about that. Like when my daughter takes the cars and goes somewhere, I'm not instantly thinking, oh my gosh, she's going to crash and have to call me. Like I don't don't put that negative energy out there.
1: Exactly. You're just going to manifest it.
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So, you know, I just like right now, this moment, I have to focus on me. And -hmm. then the outside world will survive without me for an hour. You know, it's like, I'm not that cocky to think that the world's going to blow up if, if, if I'm off the radar for 20 minutes, <laughs> you know, so speak quick, quickly about, about your business.
1: Uh, so it's called Build Yourself Back Up. It's a platform that I created to help others move through depression or anxiety or any emotional instability where they want to start creating better for themselves I help them create that starting point and give them all the tips and tools to get going and then guide them throughout any processes that they want.
0: And who's your target market?
1: Um, I would say that it's men and women, probably in their 20s, 30s and 40s that are ready to really hunker down and start focusing on themselves and creating change.
0: And what do you find is like one of the biggest things you help them with?
1: Probably getting through the emotional clutter because a lot of people don't realize that they can express it. They don't know how to express it, that it's allowed to be expressed and start diving deep into those core uh, root causes of why they're feeling the way they're feeling.
0: And what's the end goal?
1: It depends on their goal, but usually it's happiness. Mm. self-love something that fulfills them on the inside and it's never external it's always inside so it's really channeling what they need to fulfill them on the inside gotcha
0: like once once we're, we're done recording i got an idea to run by you maybe okay. maybe this is why why i got you back on i don't, I don't know i just knew we had to talk again <laughs> 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 all right give, me, give us some final words
1: I would just say that if you're suffering with any type of emotional issue, remember that it's normal. We're supposed to feel our feelings, but we're not supposed to hold them in and allow them to take charge of our lives. So reach out, get help. Change is possible.
0: Love it. Trish. thank you once again for coming on and uh, sharing your stories and your expertise.
1: Thank you so much, Robert. I really love talking with you. Awesome.
0: And I'm going to have you on again. So, you know, okay. we'll be, be on the <laughs> lookout, be on the lookout for, for that one. Yeah. Cause I'm going to be doing um, a panel all about depression and anxiety. And so okay. if you're interested in, in available on the day that I do it, I'll uh, I'll add you on. I think that one's looking like May, I believe for that okay. one. Cause yeah. Cause I have February, March and April's already Already, I don't want to say scheduled, but they're already thought of, put it that way.
1: Okay.
0: That <laughs> sounds great. Uh, yeah, because organization is not my strong point, but I'm working <laughs> on that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, um, yeah, so just don't sign off yet, and I'll be right back with you.
1: Okay, sounds great. All
0: right, see ya. Bye. All right. So that was Trish again joining us for her second stint here on Shut Up and Grind. So again, it's all about... Overcoming the Obstacles to Find the Odds, and this particular episode was was about overcoming and living with depression and anxiety, so if you're tuning in late, make sure you go back and listen to the full thing, because Trish gives lots of very, very amazing insight into her own journey in dealing with her depression, and she wants to help you get through yours, right, so her business is build yourself back up and reach out to her, hey, conversations, you never know where they may go. All right. Have a great day. Bye. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind.